Welcome to the show. I am your host, Todd Dallas-Lamb, and you're listening to On the Clock. On the Clock is a venture with the Strategos Podcast Network, where we feature an array of guests to dive into all things education. We hope you enjoy. Welcome back to On the Clock with Todd Dallas-Lamb. I am your host, and welcome back to the show, everybody. We took a, a little brief break during the summer, but we are back in action uh, for the start of the school year of 2022-2023, excuse me, uh, with me today, uh, my guest is John Van Wagener, superintendent of Traverse City Public Schools in Michigan. John, thank you for being on the show. How are you today? I'm well, happy to be here in the beautiful Michigan morning and uh, excited to be able to talk education. Where is Traverse City? I mean, we hear that. I hear that name a lot. It sounds like a great vacation spot. I think it's up by the lake, um, Lake Michigan. Is that right? It, it is. So as a, as a Midwesterner uh, might know, or definitely a Michigander, Michigan is very well shaped geographically as the shape of your right hand. So if you were to take your right hand, uh, we have what we call the thumb of Michigan. But if you were to go to the the, lo the lower peninsula is the hand. There's a bridge up at the top called the Mackinac Bridge that connects an upper peninsula. But we are essentially on the very corner of uh, northwest Michigan. Uh, so we are right on Grand Traverse Bay, directly across from Green Bay, Wisconsin. If you were to go directly across from Lake Michigan. And uh, we are a beautiful, beautiful place uh, uh, of the world, especially in the summertime and the winter. Uh, you know, we uh, yeah. we have great uh, skiing and sledding and lots of fun activities with a decent amount of snowfall. That's, that sounds beautiful. My dad, pictured behind me, uh, was born in Michigan, but he was born uh, just on the southern part near just north of Toledo. Uh, and then quickly got his head right and moved to Ohio and became an Ohio State fan. And I, I too, am an Ohio State fan. So we can talk about college football a little later after we get the education stuff out of the way, if that's okay. As a, as a Michigan State Spartan, you know, that I think we can find some neutral Common ground on it, uh, in, in that conversation. Uh, you know, we met at a conference and we uh, we sort of hit it off over politics and, and football. Um, and as I always say, I've, I've married people for less than that. Um, I, you also were talking to me about an online ecosystem that you have had to put together. I'm guessing you had to do that during the COVID experience. Is that right? It is. You know, I have maybe one of the more unique experiences as superintendent. This is starting my seventh year as a superintendent, but I made a transition uh, after COVID started. So we were essentially uh, put in a, in a lockdown situation uh, in May. Um, uh, uh, over about, you know, in three years ago, school year wise. And, uh, and so I literally interviewed for the superintendency all uh, through digital platform, uh, uh, Zoom, uh, Google Meet uh, with the board, having never met the board or really most people in the district, I accepted the job. Uh, all the interviews, everything were all done uh, uh, through the internet. And so taking the job that was unique. And so yeah, starting that next school year, uh, getting prepared for that. There's a lot of people, I think, in in you know the world for that matter, that thought, okay, this is you know going to be done over with, and we'll come back to a normal school year. And unfortunately, that wasn't the case at all. In fact, I think in a way we were maybe less prepared because we had succumbed to that idea uh, of normalcy was going to happen, and when it didn't, it was hard. So. 
walking into the job essentially uh, mid July, uh, uh, you know, during the pandemic, coming in and realizing that not a lot had changed of what their preparedness levels were for digital learning. Uh, really you know, did not have a learning management system in place, was using Google Classroom in various different ways, but not as well as anybody, especially our parents, wanted. And so having to essentially do a, a screening of eight different learning management systems, bring uh, multiple hundred teachers together to do that, identify one, get people trained and give people time to start building content in it uh, was just an unbelievable uh, task to try and do. And, 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 and maneuvering the politics of that as well as obviously there are people that fell on both sides of whether we should be virtual or not face to face. Um, but our board did decide to start the first two weeks virtual. So uh, it was a real marathon to do, but, um, it, and I wouldn't recommend adopting a learning management system and, and digital content and these things in a pandemic by any means. Um, but it, it did move our learning curve and our implementation plan forward a much faster rate than any I've ever done. And that's good and bad. Uh, but we are moving forward and growing fast uh, because of all of all of what took place during that time, John. So let's back up a little bit. You 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 take the job under the shadow of COVID. You you do all of your interviews uh, through Zoom, kind of like what we're doing today, and 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 then you have to create an online experience uh, because schools are basically shut down. Kids can't come to school, so they're going to have to learn from home. What was the first? Uh, what was the first thing you did as far as finding a way to, to deliver content? Well, you know, fortunately in my past experiences, I've done a lot in this space. I, I worked for our state department of education. I worked on uh, reforming secondary schools and had done a lot in part of the group that did our first seat time waivers uh, in the state of Michigan way back. And so really had known this space well, that was a real, um, a real feather in my cap, but you know, never to try and implement that fast. Um, but really tried to look at, we had worked with Michigan Virtual, who is our state cyber school, kind of. Um, they are actually much more of a state public-private ent uh, entity that uh, helps districts with professional development, um, you know, how to, you know, do some things teaching online. But they had never even ventured until the pandemic really hit into an idea of, of taking their classes that were pre-built essentially turnkey, they had the teacher, they had all that, you just signed up and they took care of it all, to um, actually saying, okay, district, we want to pilot and give you um, the, the key to our classes. You take the content, you take everything, you take what you like, you leave what you don't, you add what you want. That was a venture they had never done. Um, so really, you know, in previous to the pandemic, I we were really trying to learn and search for people that would provide strong content that was aligned to our state standards that was really good, but we could put into our own learning management systems and teachers have full autonomy. That really was a new frontier um, pre-pandemic and, and it's vastly changed over this time period of the last few years. Um, but you're really trying to figure out how can I keep teachers that are not instructional content creating experts? Uh, how, do I, how do I find something to give them without every night and them having to sit and, and scour the internet, trying to find this little thing and that little thing and put this together and put it into a digital format and a digital tool that they're still learning a lot about. 
how do you expect that out of people? I think that was the part that people just really don't understand is, you know, these companies that do the creation of digital content spend millions and millions of dollars of having people that that's what they do. And that's what they're their training and their their all of their their resources go to. And that's not a sixth grade teacher that's sitting in their kitchen at 10 o'clock at night trying to prepare for Monday mornings, you know, or Thursday mornings class, you know, uh, whatever day that is. Um, yeah. uh, but that was the real challenge. And and we really worked hard to see can somebody else provide us content, but let our teachers learn the flexibility to have. So that was a real, a real yeah. tough thing to do, but we yeah. managed to put off. So, John, you used um, Maryland, excuse me, Michigan Virtual as kind of a, the bones of this. And then you started, you contracted with somebody else to sort of put more content in. And who, who did you contract with? Um, so we ended up getting, uh, no, Michigan Virtual is the one that we did contract with to yep. get their okay. content. Yeah. Yep. So we actually took that. And since we've been looking at more and we're constantly interviewing more, because now it's more of a, a Wild West frontier that vendors now, uh, you know, are literally just doing that. They are literally just creating digital content, making it uh, agnostic to a learning management system and selling districts that with that concept. But before that, the Florida virtuals of the world, you know, Michigan virtual, these large uh, K-12 Inc., these large groups, you know, would sell you a class, but it was locked. You know, mm-hmm. you, you, you just, you taught that class the way they have it. And, you know, and many times you use their teacher and that was it. And so, you know, really embarking on that uh, journey, it's, it's amazing how it's changed since. You, you have about 9,000 students um, that will be coming back to uh, quote unquote normal classrooms uh, in, in, in about a month, I'm guessing. How many of them are going to stay home and do this virtually uh, of that 9,000? You know, we, we think that we're, um, you know, we won't have all of them stay home. What's interesting is we have some parents that said we want parts this way and maybe still come in, for instance, for band six hours. Yep. Um, so all in all, we'll have over a thousand sections um, that we'll do with kids. And probably of that, probably 200 will be full time uh, virtual from that standpoint. But we have many, many more that are taking a section or two or three or four, um, and that's K-12. You know, some want to take their core classes from home, but still want to be able to do their, what we would consider uh, specials or art, music, physical education. They want to come in for that. So it's a really a new world of what that looks like uh, moving forward. It's it's really kind of exciting, isn't it? I mean, um, for any number of reasons, a student probably some students enjoyed being home and um, for, for anxiety issues, or maybe they're involved in an, in, a, in an activity where they need to focus on playing tennis for a few hours, uh, whether it's a sport or um, just wanting to kind of micro focus on education without all the, you know, sometimes what can be called distractions at school. It is. And, and you know, what we're finding, so there are so many different needs that uh, students have, whether it's a, an illness or, um, you know, it, it can be it can be multiple things. I'll tell you the interesting piece that we've we've run into now though is that from the pandemic, the ability for adults to work remote and where that and not dictating where that's at is definitely something that we have some parents and I think we will have more moving forward 
They've understood that watching what we have an ability to do from and out of the pandemic, they recognize we have the ability to provide schooling outside of the four walls of what we've called school. And what's going to be interesting about that is we have people that have moved to Traverse City, especially from large cities that say, you know, for six months, we are going to live here in Traverse City. But for the other, you know, three or four months of school, we may spend a month in Florida. We may spend a month in Vail. We may, you know, but we want our kids to continue learning and be a part of your school system. So what can you provide us to do that? And, and with that, you know, global change of office space that we're seeing vacant office space all over the world, you know, happening, the demand for parents, you know, saying, you know, we know you can do this. Now, whether you choose to do it or not, you know, in this educational marketplace, we're going to go choose somebody, you know, in this educational marketplace that can offer that to it to you. And if you don't offer it to us, we'll go find somebody else that will. So what are the challenges going forward, John? Like, you're, it sounds to me like you're, you're, you're going to be always sort of searching for new um, pieces of content that, that, that students are, are asking for, parents are asking for. Yeah, I think that, you know, the content we want to continue to be robust, to find ways for it to be project-based, yep. um, you know, to have our kids engaged in these different ways where it's not just a simple sit and click, you know, that, you know, and, and how, how is it that our face-to-face -face teachers can engage it? We believe strongly that many, many parents and kids still want to see a person. They just don't necessarily need a sage on the stage to, you know, be in front of them the whole time. Right. Uh, or, you know, they don't, you know, they don't need, um, you know, to be all the time led, you know, in, in a mode, it may be 10% of the time, 50% of the time. You know, but but the, the the key of teacher is still very, very important and their role. And it's just, you know, having the, the situation and learning what that right secret sauce is of the interaction of a teacher to maybe meet, uh, you know, on a, on a Google Meet call or a Zoom call once a day or maybe it's it's twice a day or maybe it's twice a week, you know, depending on the student um, and then finding that that robust digital content that can be embedded with that that teacher, that person still, um, that's going to be the key. And, and the more flexible that you can be with that to personalize learning, I think the more successful people are going to be uh, to provide education in this education marketplace we're in. John, I'm always fascinated by education because there's, there's always a topic, you know, like there's always like a top three thing that people are, are sort of talking about. Um, right now, the thing I'm hearing the most of, I, a year ago at this time, I was hearing like learning loss, right? That was like the, the buzzword. I, I am hearing a ton about teacher shortages all around the country. Uh, Prince George's County here in Maryland, I think I heard somebody say that there, there are 800 teachers short coming into the year. Uh, are you having the same shortages? And does, does virtual, uh, uh, this online ecosystem that you're creating, does that help you sort of leverage uh, those losses if you are having losses? You know, we are, for whatever strange reason, we are, as a district, we are right now facing it just a little bit. I'm only, a, right now, a special education teacher and a social worker short going into the school year that starts here after Labor Day for us. But across our state, it's it's vastly different. 
Uh, I, in my former district uh, on the other side of the state, still north, I know has a, a 17 teachers going in and they start the week before Labor Day uh, oh. there and, and have almost no applicants for any of the 17. Um, and so they are looking at trying to maybe utilize uh, digital. I, you know, I, I think that it's possible to do. I think that you have to be willing to split teachers up, you know, in certain formats. And again, having kids online part of the time, face to face with the teacher, maybe part of the time. So maybe more of a blended environment at, at the school building or not at the school building. Um, you know, there is an element of, of the realities of childcare that is involved in our profession um, that, you know, you have to you have to make sure you provide to parents. And so I, I think it can be a point to leverage but not enough to um, at all solve by any means or replace the realities of the, the people that we need. Um, well, I'm having lunch um, later today with um, some folks and one of the conversations we're gonna have is regarding teacher assessment, certification of teachers. And with the, the drop in, in teachers, um, and there's also been accusations by some that these these teacher assessments are uh, they have a bias to them, um, yeah. and and that there's a movement afoot, or at least discussions of a movement afoot, to do away with those assessments or make them uh, much much more flexible than they used to be. I think when my mom started teaching, you you took the test. If you didn't pass the test, you couldn't become a teacher. Um, right. Are you are you having the same conversations in Michigan? We are, and you know, I have a unique perspective as I spent five years at our State Department of Education, and I was the assistant director of our Office of Professional Preparation that did certification as well as oversaw what was our Michigan test for teacher certification. We had a basic skills test that had to be done, and then you have tests in the content areas that you are certified to teach in that you have to pass in order to get a certificate. And, uh, you know, those, those were always, you know, honestly subjective. Um, and, and, uh, many people have felt that, you know, it's a barrier and that, you know, is, is there at least a secondary option, uh, that you could look at, you know, for an appeal type thing. And, and I, I'll tell you after, you know, I've been gone from the state department now for almost a decade and I, and being a local superintendent, I, I really kind of changed totally my thinking on definitely where I was at the department and that I believe there should be a lot of flexibility. And I really believe that um, local decision-making and autonomy should have a place in this. Because in the end, as a superintendent, to, to be accountable to my parents, I'm going to want to put the very best person in front of the, our kids. That's my job and, and really should be you know, my mission and, and my total belief system. And so if I, in my professional judgment, have somebody that I believe can do the job and can do it well, but they don't meet a certain step, at least give me a chance to have a probationary period, some type of way to be able to screen them and be able to have them show that indeed they can do that. You know, and if you want to use metrics of standardized tests and these things as, as a component of that, I wouldn't be against that. But I definitely think that if there's somebody that's really strong and for whatever reason, they just don't do tests well or whatever that is, you know, I, I would be willing to take that chance. And I believe we should be given local autonomy to make that decision. So I have to ask you, I, I'm, you're in your car, you're, you're in the Southern part of the state today and you've got a Michigan state shirt. Talk to me. I, we are about 28 days away from the Ohio state uh, playing Notre Dame, which I could not be more excited about. Um, go Buckeyes. 
what is your affiliation with uh, the Spartans? So I, uh, I have had a uh, great, I have a master's degree actually in uh, exercise uh, physiology and sports management at Michigan State University. I, uh, I had the fortunate opportunity. Uh, I, I coached uh, high school football for, for, for 10 years. And I, uh, my first job actually uh, coming out of college, I worked with the Detroit Lions on the NFL for a summer internship. And, uh, and then, and that led into eventually I, I coached and had an opportunity in my summers to work at Michigan state university when Nick Saban was the head coach at Michigan state. And so, uh, they actually gave me the opportunity to help work and run uh, part of all the summer camps for football at that time. Uh, they ran a lot of them. They ran three, like three high school camps. They ran two youth camps. So I was there all summer. Uh, and I had the opportunity to be a part of working with the football program, all the assistant coaches, uh, coach Saban, which eventually ended up becoming uh, Bobby Williams as the head coach, Mark D'Antonio, who was on that original staff as the defensive backs coach at Michigan State, later became the offensive coordinator at the Ohio State. Oh, did. Won, won a national title. championship. So got to know a lot of those guys. Jim Bowman that was there was the offensive line yep. coach at Michigan State. So, uh, you know, it's interesting the relationships you kind of make in that. But I uh, had a great experience and, and uh, did that for years. But essentially finished my master's degree working summers uh, and living in the dorms, you know, part of that staff. Uh, that had uh, to be incredible. Yeah. And had a great experience and many friendships, uh, you know, from that, uh, you know, just to give you an idea, the graduate assistants when I was there was Brian Dable, uh, now a head coach in the NFL. Adam Gase was the video uh, assistant, uh, you know, wow. former head coach of Miami Dolphins and the New York Jets. Uh, you know, they were student assistants just like I was, you know, at that time. So a lot of relationships built uh, over that time and uh, definitely a Spartan uh, through and through uh, to this day and make sure I always make at least two games, especially the Michigan-Michigan State game, which I'm happy to say we've dominated now. Over the <laughs> John, as a former high school football coach in Michigan, I, I'm, I'm always curious. I, I've seen a lot of transition in athletics where you know, 20 years ago, if, if you were a big, fast kid, there was almost no way you were not going to play high school football. Uh, it feels to me like sports like lacrosse are, are cutting into uh, those traditional sports a good bit these days. And, and I think a lot of parents uh, maybe have concerns about head injuries with football um, and they're moving their kids in different directions. Are you seeing that in Michigan? You know, we, uh, we are lucky that we have lacrosse in the uh, springtime so we actually see kids that play football for instance that are joining that sport more and more it's always been popular on the east coast but we are definitely gaining strength in that it's funny my daughter actually uh i just right now i'm down uh today getting her lacrosse stick redone a restrung for her for a, a travel team that she's trying out for so we are seeing that uh more and more and and we have definitely seen a little bit lower numbers in a high school football but we're still a strong football state um, in fact, uh, here in Traverse City, this past D season, Traverse City Central, we uh, lost in the state, state finals, actually, at Ford Field, where the Detroit Lions play. And we actually had the number uh, number one uh, player in the state uh, that uh, is a linebacker, uh, played, will play defensive end uh, this coming fall at Notre Dame. So, uh, um, so you know, you, you just might happen to see him here when, you're, when your Ohio State Buckeyes take on the Fighting Irish. Uh, but so still a strong football state, yep. great, huge Friday night, uh, 
you know, deal. When we play our two rival high schools together, Traverse City Central and Traverse City West, we have the Patriot game. We celebrate all of our, our uh, veterans, and we'll get 10,000 people. Uh, at the game for a high school football game on a Friday night. So I bet, uh, you, I bet that, you can't wait for that season to start in, in, in a little less than a month or so. Yeah, it's great. I'll tell you, it's interesting as the superintendent of the district with, you know, multiple high schools is that, you know, you kind of feel like you're in no man's land on that Friday night. You stand behind the goalpost, you yeah. know, and as the team that's losing, you maybe sneak their way a little bit, <laughs> you know, go back and forth and with you know, the game and you wear a shirt with both logos and, you yep. know, but uh, definitely a great experience, you know, for those that, you know, uh, uh, Midwestern tailgating at a Big Ten football game is like nothing most people even can, can understand. It's, I've had some friends come from the Pac-10 and, and came to the Michigan-Michigan State game last year, and there will be 100,000 people on campus just tailgating that don't even go to the game, don't have tickets. You yep. know, so it's just a very unique experience in the Midwest for Big Ten football, but uh, a great time that we love fall, the fall football season there. Well, I think in the, this long, hot summer, I think a lot of us are looking to the fall for, for all those changes that come with fall, the incredibly wonderful weather and football season and bands and tailgating. And, and John, I want to thank you so much for joining us on the clock. Um, really appreciate you being on. How can folks get a hold of you if uh, – I'm a superintendent listening to this and want to sort of pick your brain on an online uh, ecosystem that you've put together, uh, lessons learned. How, do, how would they get a hold of you? So that's easy. You can go to www.tcaps or tcaps.net and you can easily find my contact information and the different things we're doing in the district and uh, would be happy to help out anybody or have a think partner. Always a lot for me to learn from other people. And uh, that's kind of how we had the chance to meet in an opportunity like that. Yep. And uh, always excited to share and and uh, just try and do can do try to do what we can do to uh, make sure that our kids have the best learning possible throughout our, our country and world. Well, I appreciate what you do, John. Thank you so much. And now off the clock and have a great rest of your summer and, and a great beginning to your school year. Sounds good. Thanks again. If you want to learn more about the show, please visit www.strategosgroup.com. Please consider subscribing on your podcast streaming platform so you don't miss out on our next episode. And until next time, I'm Todd Dallas-Lamb, signing off.